Hello there, my name is McNeil and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about movies. We talk about movies that are currently playing in the theaters and topics related to cinema. If you like this type of content, be sure to follow my podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support my podcast by telling your friends. And if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? Today's podcast is going to have a slightly different structure than my regular podcast because I have a lot of content to cover. Today, I'm going to rank my top 25 favorite movies of the 2010s. Now, I will not be including any comic book movies because I did a podcast on my top 10 favorite comic book movies of the 2010s, so you can check out that podcast to see my thoughts on comic book films throughout the past decade. The way today's podcast is going to work is I'm going to rank my top 25 favorite movies of the 2010s and quickly explain the reason each movie is on my list. At the end of this podcast, I'll have some friends join me to talk about their personal favorite movies of the decade, so I'm going to be friendless here for just a few minutes. But before I jump into my list, here are five honorable mentions. Coming in on last place in my honorable mentions is Silver Linings Playbook. In fourth place, The Conjuring. In third place at a tie is How to Train Your Dragon 2 and How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World. And at number two is Ford vs. Ferrari. And at number one, my favorite honorable mention is The Revenant. There are many movies I wanted to put on this list, but these are the ones I believe are most worthy to mention. But now let's get into my list. So coming in at number 25 is Birdman. Now, Birdman is a movie that won Best Picture at the Oscars for the 2014 releases. And it was a movie I was not entirely interested in watching because from what I understood, it was a comedy. And if you know me, you know I have a hard time buying into scripted humor. However, this was more of a black comedy, which I actually like, and this movie stars Michael Keaton playing an actor who is losing his reputation in the movie industry and is attempting to make a career on Broadway. This movie is essentially shot in real time, so what this means is the camera follows the characters around to change scenes rather than cutting to a separate scene. And This makes a really interesting storytelling, and this movie leaves more of the story open to interpretation than some may expect, including myself. And overall, this is a movie... I was pleasantly surprised by, and I thoroughly enjoyed. Coming in at my number 24 is Fast Five. The Fast and Furious franchise is one of my favorite movie franchises of all time, and I know that these aren't necessarily the best movies ever, but they are entertaining and I have a lot of fun with them because I don't take them seriously. But Fast Five, in my opinion, is the best of the franchises, and before this movie came out, the series was starting to lose traction due to the movies not necessarily telling a cohesive plot. And Fast Five was a game changer for that franchise. It did something different by drifting away from the racing storylines to more of a heist story. And this movie is why the Fast and Furious franchise is still successful today. And this is my favorite of the bunch. Coming into my number 23 is Ad Astra. This is a movie that actually came out in 2019, this past year. And this is an outer space film that features Brad Pitt. However, this is not a movie for everybody because it has a very slow pace. I say this because this movie is more about the introspection of Brad Pitt's character. There's a lot of voiceover that allows the viewers to understand the character's thoughts, and we see the character grow and learn more about himself. Because of this, Ad Astra is more of a drama than a sci-fi movie. It is a drama that takes place in space and has sci-fi elements, but it's primarily a drama. Aside from the story, the cinematography is absolutely beautiful. The slow-paced plot and the cinematography combined make you feel like you're in space in this story. So coming in to my number 22 is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This is another favorite franchise of mine. 
Rise of the Planet of the Apes serves as a start of the prequel trilogy for the original Planet of the Apes series. This film brought a darker and grittier tone to the franchise in a much-needed way and gives Caesar a proper arc. Through his arc, we see Caesar's motivations, why he started a revolution, and how strong of a leader he is. Overall, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a fascinating origin story for the Planet of the Apes franchise. So coming in at my number 21 is The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a Martin Scorsese movie based on a true story following Jordan Belfort's career as a corrupt stockbroker. Leonardo DiCaprio portrays Jordan Belfort, and in my opinion, this is his best performance to date. Personally, I think he should have won an Oscar for this role, and every performance in this movie accurately depicts the craziness of this lifestyle. The performances can be absolutely hilarious, and they feel organic, which adds to the insanity of this plot. And again, I'm typically not a fan of scripted comedy, but this was a black comedy, so I was laughing at things people aren't typically supposed to laugh at, so that's why it appealed to me. Aside from the performances and humor, The Wolf of Wall Street is ultimately a redemption story of Jordan Belfort, and you see him realize how he utterly messed up his life and that he accepts he needs to change for the better. So coming in my number 20 is La La Land. This is another movie I didn't think I would be a huge fan of, and La La Land is a movie that stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and it is a musical-slash-romance film. They play these characters that are drawn to each other because they have a strong desire to do what they love. Ryan Gosling's character is a jazz piano player, and Emma Stone's character is an actress. Their chemistry together is phenomenal, and it makes for the character's relationship believable. This is not a typical love story because it leaves a lot more open to interpretation than some may expect, and that makes this movie very unique, and that's what appeals to me most about it. Lastly, La La Land is very symbolic, and it complements the film nicely. Coming in at my number 19 is How to Train Your Dragon. The How to Train Your Dragon trilogy is one of my all-time favorite trilogies. The animation is beautiful, and the world-building in this movie is excellent. But the best thing about this film is that it's a story that has a lot of relatability, because the first movie of this trilogy tells a fascinating coming-of-age story. People of all ages, despite the animation and family-friendly orientation, can find something to enjoy about this movie. Coming in at my number 18 is Whiplash, another movie on this list I was surprised by, and this is a film that Damien Chazelle directed, who's the same director of La La Land. This is a film starring Miles Teller, and who plays a jazz drumming student, and J.K. Simmons, who plays his extremely intense and abusive instructor. And Whiplash is a story that's ultimately about obsession because people want to be the best at something in the story. Miles Teller's character is trying to gain his instructor's respect by trying to be the best drummer that he can. And the performances in this movie are fantastic, but J.K. Simmons as the instructor named Terrence Fletcher is a standout because of how extreme and intense his character is. This is definitely a movie worth watching, and if you enjoy seeing a good character arc, definitely give this movie a shot. Coming into my number 17 is A Star is Born. This is the third remake of this movie, but it brings a modern adaptation to the story. A Star is Born is also Bradley Cooper's directorial debut. It is honestly amazing. Bradley Cooper directed, produced, wrote, and acted in this film, but he also learned to sing for this movie and altered his speaking for the role. Everything he put into this movie is incredibly impressive. This movie is a love story between two musicians depicted by Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, and their chemistry is some of the best on-screen chemistry between two characters that are a couple I've ever seen. The movie takes you through every emotion, and the songs do as well. The soundtrack is fantastic, and I find myself listening to it very often. Coming in at number 16 is Captain Phillips. This is a true story about a cargo ship that was taken over by pirates on the African coastline, and Tom Hanks plays Captain Phillips. 
This story does not span a large period of time, but we see everything Captain Phillips does to protect his men. He goes through so much in a very short period of time. The story is intense and at times brutal. The last five minutes of this movie has some of the best acting I've ever seen from Tom Hanks. Definitely a movie worth checking out if you like Tom Hanks and films based on a true story. Coming in at number 15 is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. This is definitely controversial to have on this list because it isn't being well received by critics and half of the Star Wars fan base. This is my favorite of the new trilogy, however, and I think this movie ended the Skywalker saga in a satisfying way. Check out my Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker podcast to hear all of my thoughts on that movie and Star Wars in general. Coming in at my number 14 is Gone Girl. This is a movie directed by one of my favorite directors, David Fincher, and it's about a married couple who is going through a rough spell. This film stars Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. This movie is about the disappearance of Rosamund Pike's character, Amy. The movie allows viewers to theorize about what has happened to Amy throughout a good portion of the film, but if you like plot twists, check this movie out. The message of the movie is that nobody knows what is actually happening behind the scenes of a certain situation because the media doesn't always tell the truth, so there is much beyond the surface of this film. Coming in at my number 13 is a movie called Us. This is another movie that actually came out in 2019 this past year, and this is easily my favorite horror movie of the decade. Though some may like Jordan Peele's first film, Get Out Better, I prefer this one. And that's totally all right if you like Get Out. It's still a great movie. I'm not undermining that movie at all. But Us is a story about doppelgangers and how the main characters are connected to what they call the tethered who are the doppelgangers. This movie is very symbolic, and there are always more things to find with multiple viewings of this film. The acting in this movie is outstanding because the main characters are all playing two characters. The lead actress, I believe you pronounce her name Lupita Nyong'o, so I'm sorry if I pronounced her name wrong, but... Given the way it sounds, most likely I pronounced it wrong. But uh, she's a standout here because she makes viewers believe her character Adelaide is scared throughout the film while also playing an extremely terrifying doppelganger. But overall, Us is definitely my favorite horror movie of the decade. So if you like Jordan Peele's movie Get Out, check this one out. I personally think it's better. If you like Get Out better, that's still okay. So coming in at number 12 is Hacksaw Ridge. This is a true story of a World War II medic named Desmond Doss who would not use a gun in war, portrayed by Andrew Garfield. This movie allows you to have a good understanding of who Desmond was in the extreme situations he put himself in. Desmond Doss saved 75 men in the Battle of Okinawa without a weapon, which is incredible. I don't, I don't know how you pull that off, but he did. In the extremes Desmond Doss goes through to save these men without a weapon in the middle of a World War II battle is unreal and it blows my mind. This is a brutal story with high emotions, and if you like war movies, this is a must-watch. Coming in at my number 11 is Enemy. This is a very bizarre psychological thriller starring Jake Gyllenhaal. This is another doppelganger story on my list. It is a very thought-provoking movie that's very metaphorical, and there is plenty of room for interpretation in this movie. Honestly, this movie is just flat-out weird, so it may not be a movie for everybody, but if you like psychological thrillers, give it a shot. Coming in at my number 10 is a movie called Her. I was never interested in watching this movie because I thought the premise was boring and honestly kind of dumb, but this film stars Joaquin Phoenix, whose character Theodore is going through a divorce in the near-distant future, and he's trying to find a connection with someone. He comes across an operating system called OS, which is a highly intelligent form of AI with a conscious. It's about the relationship between Theodore and Samantha, the operating system, voiced by Scarlett Johansson, 
And I did not have to use a lot of suspension of disbelief for this movie because this vision of the future is not entirely unrealistic. From a technical level to a story standpoint, this movie is brilliant, and it has, I think, an underlying message of the direction our society could hypothetically be pointing towards. Coming in at my number 9 is another 2019 release called Knives Out. This is a movie I was not expecting to like this much. Ryan Johnson, the director of The Last Jedi, and if you listen to my Star Wars podcast, you know I am not a fan of that movie, but he, Ryan Johnson, directed Knives Out. And this is a modern take at a whodunit murder mystery. This movie subverts your expectations in a good way, unlike The Last Jedi, throughout the entire movie, and it keeps you guessing. The cast is phenomenal, the writing is excellent, and overall, this is a very fun, entertaining movie that appeals to both critics and general audiences. Coming into my number eight is The Martian. This is a sci-fi movie that features Matt Damon playing a character named Mark Watney who is stranded on Mars alone. The interesting thing about this movie is that it's pretty scientifically accurate from what I understand. Sure, there are times where the use of suspension of disbelief is required, but overall, it's pretty accurate. Matt Damon does a fantastic job of portraying somebody in complete isolation, but at times he copes with the situation with humor, and that is one of my favorite aspects of this film. I love outer space movies, and The Martian is fascinating and entertaining, so if you like sci-fi movies, you should definitely check this movie out. Coming in at my number seven is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Like I said earlier, this is one of my favorite franchises, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is my favorite of the series. This movie shows what life is like for Caesar and the rest of the apes ten years after the events of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But we also learn what life is like for the humans. The majority of the human race has died, but there are still some that are alive, and they encounter the apes, and this film explains how the apes and humans go to war. The story is darker than the previous film, and that makes for fantastic action in this movie. There's literally apes riding horses with machine guns. That is awesome. You don't see that happen in movies very often, but since this movie has the darker tone, they're able to pull off something that crazy. This movie is really exciting and entertaining, and it's my favorite of the franchise. Coming in at my number six is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I've said this many times throughout this podcast, so I'm not trying to become a broken record here, but this is another movie I did not think I would like because it wasn't on my radar at all, and I had no interest in seeing this film. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a story that follows Ben Stiller as the character Walter Mitty, who works for Life magazine. Walter Mitty at first is somebody who is bored and wants to do something better with his life, and because of this, he daydreams a lot. Eventually, he goes on a global adventure and gets to experience life while he is looking for a photographer he works with to get a missing negative he needs for his job. I think primarily I was mesmerized by this film because I was able to relate to the character of Walter Mitty in a way I wasn't expecting. And some people may think this movie is really high on this list, but it's one of my favorites and I think it's highly underrated. So definitely give this movie a shot if you like adventure movies. Coming in at number five is Arrival. Arrival is a sci-fi movie starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. This movie is really a drama that focuses on humans learning to communicate with the aliens. Arrival is an extremely deep philosophical film that blew me away with its incredible plot. This film explores the idea of non-linear time and how Amy Adams' character is able to learn from this form of language and apply it to her life. Lastly, the cinematography in this movie is stunning, and if you like movies that explore deep and intriguing ideas, give this movie a shot. Coming in at my number four is Prisoners. Prisoners is a mystery thriller that stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman, and these two characters give some of their best performances of their career in this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal plays Detective Loki, and Hugh Jackman plays Keller Dover. 
Denis Villeneuve directed this film as well as two other movies I've mentioned on this list, Arrival and Enemy. This movie starts off with a very simple plot which Keller Dover's daughter is kidnapped along with her friend. Keller Dover, who's portrayed by Hugh Jackman and the other father, played by Terrence Howard, search for their kids while Detective Loki helps investigate. What I love about this movie is it takes a very generic plot that builds and builds and builds into this very intense and insane story. The characters are explored very well by showing how far these characters are willing to take things in order to find their children. This film is extremely suspenseful and builds tension unlike any other movie I've seen. Coming in at my number three is Shutter Island. In my opinion, this is Martin Scorsese's most underrated movie, and I think he should do more movies like this. Although I'm a little biased because I like psychological thrillers. This film stars Leonardo DiCaprio, and I have The Wolf of Wall Street lower on this list, and I said that movie has Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance to date, which I still believe, but Shutter Island is a better movie in my opinion. The atmosphere of this movie is mysterious, and there are twists and turns all throughout the film. Some may be able to predict the result of the mystery as I did, but I still love this movie, and it's another film that leaves things open to interpretation in a way that I think is brilliant. Coming in at my number two is Interstellar. This is a movie I saw in IMAX, and it was an awesome experience. This is a sci-fi movie directed by my favorite director, Christopher Nolan, and it stars Matthew McConaughey. Interstellar is a gorgeous movie to look at because the cinematography is jaw-dropping. There are many amazing scenes in space and on unique planets as well. This movie is another philosophical movie that really gets you thinking once the credits roll. When I first saw this movie, it really got me thinking about the themes that were explored in this film, and it got me interested in really abstract topics. The performances, the plot, the cinematography, everything is incredible in this movie, and Interstellar is an amazing space adventure that can get anybody rethinking their entire life. But, coming in at my number one is Inception. Inception isn't just my favorite movie of the decade, it's my favorite movie ever. I love this movie. It's directed by Christopher Nolan, and it also stars Leonardo DiCaprio. This is a very abstract movie. It explores the idea of extracting and planting ideas in someone's mind through a dream. This is the movie that made me develop an interest in film and made me want to explore all types of movies. The performances from the entire cast are phenomenal, the visuals are awesome, the action is entertaining, and the plot is riveting. This is one of those movies, if you zone out for just a second, you're going to be lost, so make sure you pay attention to every little detail. Although I'm biased, since this is my favorite movie, Inception has my favorite ending to a movie ever. This is an extremely thought-provoking movie and gives lots of room for interpretation. And honestly, it's just really impressive that Christopher Nolan was able to come up with a story this original. All right, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have some friends join me on this podcast to talk about their favorite movies of the decade. And my first friend of the day is my friend Fletcher, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up? I'm Fletcher. So Fletcher, what is your favorite movie of the decade? My favorite movie of the decade was uh, The Nice Guys. That's actually a movie I've never seen, but I know is correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. That's right? correct, yep. So what is, what's the premise of the movie? It's a uh, kind of a crime movie. Uh, it takes place in the 70s where uh, uh, Ryan Gosling is a PI and uh, Russell Crowe is kind of like an enforcer type character. Okay. So is it a comedy? It is. It's kind of like a uh, a crime buddy comedy. Okay. Yeah. I think kind of like, um, what's the movie I'm thinking of? I don't know. Buddy cop type movie. Similar. Yes. Okay. Kind of. So uh, what makes you like this movie so much? I kind of like the uh, quirky, somewhat dark comedies, and I, I like crime movies, so this was a good combination of, uh, 
of those two movies. Uh, to me, it feels kind of similar to uh, another movie I like, which is uh, The Big Lebowski, kind of a crime, dark comedy movie. Okay. So when you're saying dark comedy, is it kind of the comedy where they almost consider it like black comedy, like The Wolf of Wall Street, where it's like things are, things are you're laughing at things that you aren't supposed to be laughing at? Somewhat, and, and there's a little bit of violence and, and, and stuff like that. Is the violence depicted in a way that's it's kind of humorous it can be not always but it can be so kind of like quentin tarantino movies in a way it's not as uh graphic as quentin tarantino movies but um it's got a similar kind of feel similar kind of tone okay what about the performances what would you say about those like are they top notch are they just kind of in the middle of the road uh, I loved Ryan Gosling's performance I thought he uh he nailed uh his Holland March character uh yeah uh, who's kind of kind of funny and and quirky? Uh, so I thought that w- that's a really uh, stellar performance. Yeah, he's an actor that I really like. I've seen a lot of his movies, but I haven't gotten around to this one. It's the one I've been wanting to get to, but that type of genre doesn't necessarily appeal to me as much because comedies I become really picky with. Not because I like them so much that I want to be that I'm going to be that picky over them, but it's more I have a hard time laughing at scripted humor. Yeah, this movie did poorly at the box office, so it, it's a movie that, that I don't think is uh, is as seen kind of across the board. What uh, year did it come out? Uh, 2016. Okay. Who directed it? Shane Black. Shane Black? Okay, he did Iron Man 3. Right. So I'm familiar yes. with some of his work. He's kind of more of, from what I understand, is more like a action comedy type. You, yeah, that would fit this yeah. uh, this movie pretty much to the T. So is there anything else that came close to topping this movie for you or is this like this you were sold in this movie uh i really liked uh true grit 2010's true grit the uh, coen brothers remake of the john wayne movie that's actually another movie i haven't seen from this decade all right (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's kind of interesting you know you're getting some movies in here i haven't seen so i'm probably gonna go watch them as soon as i can but that's matt damon right uh matt damon is in it um jeff bridges in is the main kind of protagonist and then uh Haley steinfeld is uh also a main character gotcha well cool that's a i guess that's a pick that i'm gonna need to go check out as soon as i can if so. you like westerns i think it's probably the best i do uh, like some westerns like i like uh i mean it's a modern western but no country for old men it's also the coen brothers yes did yes. true grit but but yeah i like westerns so. yeah this is i think the best kind of western that's been done in the last uh 20 years, in my opinion. Yeah. Although I liked Hostiles a lot with uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, it's another one I haven't seen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess Westerns aren't something that are done as much anymore. You know, they're more of an older style of movie. But when they're done today, they're a little different. And I think people hold that genre close to their heart. So it becomes, um, people become really picky about them. I think to make a Western work today, you kind of have to take a little bit of a, a different cut at it because the genre's just been so so overdone, yeah. especially, you know, uh, in the 60s and, and 70s. And you know, so, The Nice Guys, that's not a Western, is it? No, no, it's not. It's a 70s L.A. kind of movie. Yeah, you said it was like a crime movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have to check that movie out as soon as I can. So, But yeah, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So my next friend of the day that's joining us for this podcast is my friend Trevor. Hey, what's up? So Trevor's been in a couple of my podcasts so far, so if you've been tuning in recently, I'm sure you're familiar with his voice. But anyway, Trevor, what is your favorite movie of the 2010s? Interstellar, hands down. That's my second favorite movie of the decade. So why? Why is it uh, why is your favorite? The plot in general, 
I would say, is excellent. The idea is phenomenal. Um, but I'd say above all, I would put the characters and the character arcs because there's there's multiple character arcs throughout this movie. Definitely. Um, and they're all done so well. There's Matthew McConaughey's character, mm-hmm. which, I mean, his character arc is a bit more self-explanatory. Because he's the main character. Yeah. Um, he realizes, you know, that his family was the mo- most important thing, mm-hmm. and they should stay with them. And his view of family definitely, like, it changed. It became much more important, and love definitely became much more of a um, an important factor in his life yeah. than it was before. And I would assume that has to do with losing his wife and stuff, but... Um, yeah, yeah. So which happened probably, before the movie Before the took movie place. started. Right. Uh, so he probably swept love under the rug. Yeah. And that's definitely shown when Anne Hathaway's character wanted to pursue um, or wanted to go to this planet because she loved the guy who was on it. And her explanation, I love the dialogue of that, by the, by the way. just there, There's no bad dialogue in the movie, mm. in my opinion. But in that scene, the way they explain love and everything um, and how he disagrees with her because of that, it just shows how he's not willing to go that far. But yeah, um, in general, I would just say Interstellar is my favorite movie because it explores a bunch of deep philosophical and um, primarily physical theories that, including the black hole, yeah, um, that other movies just don't explore. Yeah, I would totally agree with you there. Did you have any movies that were maybe like a close second as a competitor for this? Maybe. Um, or my second favorite movie of the decade was us Okay. and us. It, I wouldn't call it a close second, but I, I love that movie. So but much. Interstellar definitely takes the cake. Interstellar you. takes the cake hands down. Cool. I remember you, you and I saw that movie when it came out back in 2014 yeah. and you and I were just blown away. I mean, the it. fact that I saw it in IMAX definitely made a big difference. Oh I mean, yeah. My, that, that was a movie that definitely needed to be experienced in IMAX. Yeah, my jaw dropped after... The, like the second they went in space and then it pretty much stayed that way. I was catching flies. Yeah, that that movie is fantastic. This great pick. So yeah, thanks for joining today once again on the podcast. Yep, thank you so much for having me. No problem. So my next friend of the day is my friend Sam. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Sam. So what is your favorite movie of the decade? My favorite movie of the decade is Us. Us? Yes. I love that movie. But you had a... Uh, a close call though, didn't you? Yes, I was also going back and forth between La La Land and also Knives Out. Yeah, all three of those are in my list. So yeah. they're all great movies. But I know. so why did you end up choosing us to be your favorite? I ended up choosing us because ultimately it was the one that I thought about the most afterwards. Um I would say that while I was watching the movie, I wasn't as like scared as I thought I was going to be going into it. I mean, I was definitely unsettled and creeped out and there were some times where I was scared, but overall I wasn't like horrified. But um, it was actually while I was thinking about it later on in the week and I just got really freaked out and started thinking about it and just like how it connects to our world today. And I think that was how it like freaked me out the most, I guess. Yeah. So since us is your favorite, you said it was the most thought provoking. So would you say you picked it because if a movie makes you think about it more, does that mean you like it better rather than just being entertained in the moment? Yeah, I would say that that's pretty much what I enjoy about movies and just like forms of entertainment in general. Yeah, I definitely like to think about it afterwards and like analyze it like because that's where 
my background comes from. And so I just really love like the deeper meanings throughout the movies that I watch. Yeah. And I know you said you really like the symbolism in the movie too. Yeah. I really liked just like, because if you just watch it, you can think that it's okay. It's creepy. There's these tethered people underground and it's a little freaky, but I think when you actually like dig a little deeper and like see the underlying themes of like even Jordan Peele in an interview talked about how there's the underlying themes is this fear of like the other Mm -hmm. and people that are different from us, whether that's race, ethnicity, gender, uh, even just like wealth, like wealth status. I think that it was just really interesting to think about how they commented on like privilege and how they were so afraid of the tethered people because they were different than them and they didn't understand but then throughout the movie Adelaide who ends up actually being a tethered person read yeah you realize that maybe the people that you're afraid of in order to protect yourself from them maybe you're becoming the monster or the scary part yeah well speaking of Adelaide I know you said that you really like the performance from I think her name is Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. I, I mean, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Right. But. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I mean, the main family, the actors each basically played two roles in that movie. But specifically with Adelaide slash Red, I think she just did an amazing job really creating that difference between the two characters and showing, okay, yes, it's the same actress. Yes, they are looking the exact same. But it was very clear that there was a difference between the two with background and just how, like what their motivations were basically. And I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. If I had it my way, I would make her win best actress at the Oscars Yeah, because she by far had the best performance of the year. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. And I just felt like I really loved how she went the extra mile and just like really to create that voice of red. um, I thought was amazing. Yeah. I think this movie is one of the best horror movies of the of the decade for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. It was yeah. definitely one that kept me thinking about it and another big thing is like how the family, the tethered family like moved in their like physicalizations. I just thought it was really creepy and that's honestly what I thought about after the movie. Obviously it was freaky in person but or in the moment but then at reflecting back on it it was like wow, that was a little unsettling definitely. Yeah. Have you seen it once or seen it more than once? I think I've seen it twice. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I've seen it, I think, three or four times. Yeah. But the second time I saw it, I saw it twice in the theaters. And you see see it through a different lens because you know what happens at the end. Yeah, exactly. So you catch a lot more throughout the movie and the symbolism stands out even more. Yeah, I love that. And I think that maybe on the first watch the twist at the end may seem a little random mm-hmm. but then or just maybe a little shocking shocking yeah but then when you rewatch it again you're like oh okay you see all the little details and the little subtleties that they have throughout the movie and i just thought that was really cool yeah yeah well, that's a really good pick so uh so thanks for joining me on the podcast yeah today. thank you yeah no problem so my last friend of the day is my friend tucker if you listen to my star wars podcast a couple of weeks back uh, then you're familiar with his voice, so why don't you reintroduce yourself, Tucker? Hey, everybody. I'm Tucker. He's still here, and he's back again. That's right. Yeah, he's back. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So what is your favorite movie of the decade? My favorite movie of the decade would be Shutter Island, released in 2010. That's a good one. That was really high on my list. Yeah, was it? Yeah. It's a, it's a really good movie. So is why that your movie that's at your list of the decade or of all time? Both. Really? Yeah, nice. it's, it's pretty high on both. Nice. So, yeah. So, um... Why is it your favorite? 
Um, so the thing that I like the most about this movie, I'm a big fan of psychological thrillers. I guess I should probably say that just to get out of the way. But, yeah. Um, as am I. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about this movie is I feel like the order of events is um, placed in a really smart way to where the twist at the end um, and also just the big reveal at the end of the movie is um, really shocking. Yeah. I was able to kind of predict it. Yeah. Were you? Slightly. Yeah. Um, I was kind of theorizing the whole time I saw it and I was like, is he Andrew? Yeah. Right. And then it did come true. Like he is. Yeah. So I kind of figured it out earlier on, but it didn't take away from how awesome that plot twist was. No. You know? And I love, I love all the flashbacks, um, to Leonardo DiCaprio's character's wife and family. Um, and that last flashback is just, it makes your jaw drop. Oh yeah. The one with his wife and you figure out everything that happened. Yeah. 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 It's, it's intense for sure. Oh yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not always an easy movie to watch. No, definitely it, not. It can be. You know, I I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it shortly after it released out of the theaters, and rewatching it not that long ago, I was kind of shocked at how gruesome that movie really is. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's hard to watch. It's sometimes. really gruesome. Yeah, yeah, at certain times, you're right. Uh, do you like how at the end it's, you can kind of develop your own interpretation of what what happens? afterwards like after the movie cuts to the credits yeah so the movie makes you guess a lot um throughout the entire film you're kind of like just on edge um i think a lot of the cinematography kind of just puts you on the edge of your seat and makes you wonder what's really happening yeah um i think it's pretty clear that something is up on the island for sure throughout the whole thing but yeah no i i feel like it was just done in a way that really really made the end hit as hard as it possibly could yeah, yeah, I would totally agree there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is probably one of Leonardo DiCaprio's better performances? It's my favorite performance of his. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I think, you know, without a solid performance from whoever would play that role, mm-hmm. the movie wouldn't sell as well. Um, you know, because he, you have to think, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio throughout the whole entire film is tricking you. Yeah. You know? That's true. I don't, it's one of my favorite performances of his, but it's not quite my favorite. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously, Inception is my favorite. I just mentioned that a while ago. Mm-hmm. And this was my number three. But I think The Wolf of Wall Street is his best performance. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just think he nails the role of Jordan Belfort. I know. also love that that film. Yeah, it's a really good movie. But, I mean, overall, I mean, he's my favorite actor. Is he Is he your favorite actor? He's he not my favorite actor, um, at least not of all time. I really like him right now. I think he's doing really good work in pretty much every role that he takes yeah. on. Uh, my favorite actor of all time would be Harrison Ford, but... Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you said that before. But, yeah, I mean, I think this movie is really good. I mean, it's a great pick, you know. um, Yeah, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was worried, um, you know, when you asked me to, you know, what my favorite movie of the decade was. I didn't think that it was released in 2010 or in this decade. I thought it was, like, 2008 or 9. Yeah, it's, like, barely in there. I think it's actually, like, towards the first quarter of of 2010. I could be completely wrong, but I, I I think that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I think I got lucky with this one. So yeah, well, that's an awesome choice. So, but uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'd love to be back sometime soon. Yeah, no problem. Be sure to follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mullican, M-C-N-E-I-L-L-M-U-L-L-I-K-I-N. No spaces or no capital letters. 
Letterboxd is where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. You can also follow me on Instagram at underscore McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L-L, followed by two more underscores. And you can give me your feedback on your favorite movies of the decade. And if you're interested in joining for an episode, send me a DM and we can work something out. If you made it to the end of this podcast, congratulations. And once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.